Welcome to the Product Business Podcast. This is a place where I interview bootstrappers and entrepreneurs who are selling software products online. And the goal is to help you whether you are thinking about maybe selling a product in the future, you are launching a product, or you're already generating lots of revenue. I am your host, Scott Bollinger. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a rating or click the subscribe button. In this episode, I talk with Chris about his highly successful blog, CSS Tricks, how things have changed since it was just him in the early days to now he has a staff and puts a lot more time into each article, but how that's kind of just keeping up with the times and engagement has actually changed quite a bit due to Twitter. We also talk about CodePen, how he started with just a few people, took some investment in his journey to monetize and how that's going. We also talk about some Jamstack and front-end web development technologies that are the hot new thing these days, like Gatsby and serverless, and we also talk about WordPress and a few other things. I hope you enjoy it. Today I'm excited to have Chris Coyer here with me. Chris is the creator of CSS Tricks, CodePen.io, and he has a podcast called The Shop Talk Show. Chris, thanks for being here. Hey, yeah, thanks, Scott. Those are my those are my big three. I've been you know kind of focused on those three things for a while, so it's kind of like a CSS Tricks is like a a blog and videos, just kind of like educational material about how to build websites and. Code pens where you can go practice and play around. It's kind of a code editor in the browser uh, with social features and stuff. And then, like you said, I have a podcast as well where we we just talk web stuff. So I'm I'm ceaselessly about web technology. Yeah, I've been listening to you and Dave on Shop Talk Show, and um, yeah, I love just hearing about the stuff you guys talk about. So. You know, with with CSS tricks, one thing that I'm curious about is it seems to me like these days on the internet, blogging is kind of going out of style almost. Um, You know, I, you know, five years ago or so when you used to write blog posts, you'd get a lot of comments and people would like read posts and share posts and there'd be newsletters and things. It seems like blog posts are not really in vogue anymore and maybe podcasts are more in vogue and... Um, I, I'm curious with being a site like CSS Tricks, are you guys seeing any like paradigm shift in how your content is received at all? Yeah, there's so much to that. I mean, I think that's a great question and a great thing to, to dig into, you know, and I just have one, my own little piece of experience, but I would love to hear from lots of different people about what they think about the same thing, because it's, of course it's changed and change just happens because the world just changes and (laughs) no problem with that. But, uh, there's, it's like, like you said in the early days, maybe lots of, you know, in the, in the, in the heyday of, of blogging, if that's what it is, because I'm hesitant to phrase it in that way. Cause I feel like it's not, I don't feel like blogging is over or ever will be in a way that word feels like weirdly antiquated antiquated in a way but it's like all you're doing is like writing an article and publishing it somewhere and the thing has a url and we just call that blogging so whatever but there was definitely a time at least at css tricks where there was just a lot more comments just a lot more activity and even the things i was writing were i guess if i look back at it now like seemingly to me like less interesting so 
it's weird to like look back on those like kind of simple concepts and like not that great of content, but still having really high engagement from like a, a comments perspective. And then, you know, fast forward to now when we're like putting a lot more money and editorial and interesting things behind what we're publishing only to see it like there'd be much less engagement from a comments perspective. And then it's like, so what happened? What changed? And I think it's the biggest, simplest answer is that those those heydays of comments when there's like a hundred comments on a simple little post is because it was basically pre-Twitter. And in Twitter specifically, there's also like, I don't know if it was pre-Twitter, but pre like as being as big as it is now. And it's, it was probably even around and so was Facebook and stuff, but it hasn't kind of taken as hold as, as big as it is now. And I just think that's, it might just be as simple as that. People like, if they're going to say something about some content, they want to say it in a place that's like more meaningful to them than just like fill out this form and then hopefully it gets pasted on the site. I mean, there's so many unknowns there. It feels weird to just fill out a form at all. Like, what, I have to type my name into an input field just to have something to say here? What? And then, like, it goes into some moderation queue, and it may or may not be published at all. And, like, why don't I just tweet it? Then it's mine, you know? Yeah. Ah. I, I agree with that. And that's kind of how I feel personally as well. I very rarely leave a comment unless it's something I want specifically to be tied to that article and be up there for other people to read later, but I don't really need to discuss with other people about it. But um, so beyond comments, then um, I don't know if you're willing to share this at all or anything, but have you seen any type of like change in traffic or like rankings or I don't know, any, any type of other shift besides just comments? Or is it just that there's just people don't want to comment anymore and that's it? Uh, no, I mean, there's still a lot more to think about on that, on that comments perspective thing, but, 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 but overall traffic wise for us has been, is, is very consistent. Like it, we, we, we grow slowly in traffic over the years and never is there like a giant upswing or downswing. And that's just, that's just the way it is And it that, you know, but you have to look at that chart and then look at what else is going around around that chart. So these days we're spending a lot more money on staff and um, paying guest authors to write and investment in my own time to, you know, pay designers to build the site better and my own time in maintaining the site. And there's just a lot more time and effort and money that goes into the site these days. You'd think that that would be commiserate with a large rise in traffic, and it's just not. It's like it takes a lot more work just to maintain that slow, steady rise. And I have a feeling like if we did none of that stuff, if we just kept on keeping on or if it was just me plucking out little simple posts all by myself, that it would be flatline or dropping over the years. You know, like you really got to fight for what you have. Um, at least that's my experience. Yeah, I agree. And I, I kind of feel that on the web and more than just blogging as well in making products and, you know, videos and podcasts, whatever it is, it's just everything is more competitive now than it used to be. And you really got to bring your A game or have a distinct, adva- uh, you know, differentiation um, or else it kind of just gets lost in the in the ether, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Maybe it's just some sign of the web growing up or whatever. Yeah, 
I one thing I really like about what you did with CSS Tricks is that when we if we get back into like selling products, one thing that um, has stuck with me is what my friend Corey Miller told me one time, and he was like, "You should build your platform separate from your product." Um, and I'm sure this wasn't intentional for you, but um, you and and a few other guys like Syed with WP Beginner and um, you know just other companies who started with blogs, you built this platform um, of content that a lot of people flock to and you got a big audience. And then only later did you start like doing products, which CodePen, I don't, have you, did you do any other products before CodePen or anything like that? Well, not to that scale, you know, I worked for other people's products and I, uh, I had little, you know, I worked with a friend like, you know, trying to dip our toes into the idea of software as a service ideas, you know? Uh, so it's, you know, it wasn't, CodePen wasn't the first thing I ever did, but it's, it's the first thing I ever like, really like, I don't know, dug into. I like how you have CSS tricks kind of as your platform in case you decide to do something later. Um, and that was an interesting thing that Corey kind of dropped on me because he had sold iThemes and was like, oh yeah, like I didn't, I kind of didn't think of that. Um, but yeah, when I did like, press coders it was like I thought that that was gonna be like the my thing my one and only thing for the rest of my life like the first product I did I was like this is it man and like that's not how it happened at all and so it makes me you know it makes me look at you know guys like you who have this platform and I'm like man that's just so smart to like keep that going because you didn't have to keep it going you could have been like nah I'm gonna go do something that's like gonna make me a bunch more money or something you know I don't know I mean it's, it's not like I ever made the choice to make less money that's for sure. I'm always kind of chasing after it see, to see what I can do. And none of these things were like particularly planned out. I think everybody's just kind of lucking into things. It's nice that that works out for me. It's true that if things were to go their separate ways that I, I would be more okay, e even if it was the other way around and something happened to CSS tricks, I'd still have code pending. I mean, that's maybe that's less likely because CSS tricks is a, per perhaps a little bit more attached to my name, but even it isn't entirely my name. Because it's like, I don't know, it's, I, I still have a personal blog that's separate and my social media accounts are kind of under my own name and, and that kind of things, which are, aren't, aren't a hundred percent tied to CSS tricks, you know, it's like, it's, it's tricky. You know, I look at, I talked just recently to Tyler McGinnis, who's kind of like a react developer and, uh, and teacher, and he does a lot of stuff, right. I think in, in, in some ways where he's just like has content all over the place, a YouTube channel and an Instagram thing. And he's on social media, of course. And, uh, but then does still just like a big deal for him is his blog and his newsletter and their platforms that, and he thinks about it in this way. Uh, and so do I, that you, they, that can't be touched. Like even, you know, certainly your SEO can change under your foot and stuff, but you control your website. So even if, blogging somehow is like less cool or is a little harder to make it that way or over long term you're not seeing as much return on it as you used to or something i'm not sure that's like globally applicable for one thing and two it's like it's still the place that you can do it whatever you want on it you got something to sell you sell it there you know that's it's still like the the main point of thing and your newsletter is the same way like I, an algorithm can't just simply change 
And now only one-tenth of my Instagram followers ever see anything that I post or a Facebook algorithm being weird about it. Even Twitter has algorithms that control like what you do and don't see usually unless you kind of turn that off these days. And it's like that stuff is so much more floaty and ethereal where it's like an email list. I got 10,000 people on the email list. I email it to them and everybody who wants to is going to open up and look at that thing there's no there's nothing standing in my way between me and them yeah yeah uh, it's funny with with email you're always like that's like the one platform that everyone has for a long time has been like i want any email that's what i own and everybody was like there's going to be something that takes it over it's going to be like text messaging or whatever and facebook groups or whatever and it just hasn't it just happened doesn't. and like no. email is still going strong and i don't I don't really know what what would take it over at this point. No, I mean everything's always trying to some degree, you know, like the early early marketing for Slack was like get off email, get on to Slack and they're not wrong in a way that like maybe some old things that used to be handled over email like quick conversation wise have moved to Slack, but I don't they don't really market themselves as an email replacement anymore because it's not really uh any Email's great, and part of its strength is that just everyone has one, and it just lasts forever, kind of thing. We'll see. We'll see what the next generation of kids, if they can, if they can deal with it, or 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 if they just absolutely choose something else. But companies do this work for us in a way, like they screw us something up. Like if Facebook Messenger starts, to, I don't know anybody that uses Facebook Messenger. I'm sure lots of people do. I'm sure it's still a huge platform, but then it like goes away someday, or they do something really dumb, or have some big crappy security bug then people just leave it and they're like oh crap now how do we talk to each other the how we talk to each other changes over time but email never changes it's always the same so like the fact that it's like all reliable is like a massive strength of it yep i agree i want to step into code pen stuff i'm curious you know i know that you you started up you had a few people and then you guys got some funding I'm I'm curious about your journey to monetizing uh, CodePen and how that's gone. What your struggles have been with that? Because it seems like it's a it's a very easy thing to be like. We had CSS tricks. We needed to like display the code on our posts, and this was a cool way to do it. So we made this thing. But going from that to like monetizing it and making it a real business and making it work or, like with investment and stuff like that's a whole another step. So how, yeah. like, how did how was that journey? I mean, it's all, I mean, it's of course fascinating to me. I'm still very much living that journey. That's every day in and out all day stuff for me. Um, uh, you know, and it's full of missteps and screw ups and, and, and minor success. I mean, at this point there's plenty to be proud of. Like we built a thing. It's been a long time. It's been seven years or something since the launch of CodePen, and we are profitable and have a staff. And, you know, it did take that funding round and that went fine and stuff. So there's, there's that. And then there's, and then there's the, like the other side that I mostly look at, like, is just like, eh, you know, we did okay, but like, we're still really trying to find a better hit home run buried in here somewhere. There's just gotta be something better. And it's been tricky. Cause it's like, my gosh, of you know all businesses have competitors we always have we weren't first to market the you know all there was existing things that were like code pen before code pen existed they're all still around mm -hmm. nobody ever dies apparently in this <laughs> business which is something like come on somebody fail around here uh, <laughs> yeah 
and not, and of course now there's a lot more of them. Yeah. And what's funny is that so precious few of them have ever even tried to monetize. Like we're pretty much the only ones who have like tried to really be very businessy about it. I don't know if that's entirely fair or, you know, whatever, if there's any competitors listening that I've characterized incorrectly, feel free to feel free to email me. But we're like the ones that seem to have these very clear pro plans and team plans and an advertising model and merchandise and sponsorship stuff. And like, we're really trying to like hit the business game of it while, while having a really good product because the money from the business part fuels the product development. It seems like pretty, pretty business one-on-one stuff to this, but, but yeah, haven't, you know, we're, we're like seven people now and, and that number has been higher and has been lower and it's just a roller coaster of, uh, of that type of, you know, staffing and while, but we've never been 20, you know, we're tiny, 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 tiny. Yeah. Is it important to you to make this into a home run and and go huge? Or are you okay with just kind of being bootstrapped or more, I can't say bootstrapped, I guess, but just profitable and just like having fun? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's, that stuff is, it's interesting and somewhat personal and somewhat complicated and confusing because you have there's other people involved in this you have investors you have co-founders and it's it's pretty ideal to like stay aligned with everyone on that even if it's not your number one choice and i don't i'm not trying to paint a weird picture here where like there's a bunch of founder disagreement on it but it's like we kind of have to evolve slowly together in our thinking on that because nothing is going to torpedo a company worse than like having some founders that fundamentally disagree about what you're shooting for because that's that's no good so i try to be pretty open-minded about it like i get a salary from working on codepen that's it you know like i'm just a salaried employee of of codepen i happen to be a co-founder of it but my income comes from the salary that we give each other on it and it's kind of fine you know like i'm definitely not buying a yacht (laughs) We just have a couple of pretty normal cars around here and a pretty normal house and pretty normal town USA. Like it's, it's cool. Like I like our life though. I'm working on a product that I really like on it. If that's just where it has to stay, cause that's the, that it's like, it's kind of okay with me, but I'm also not okay with just uh, what I'm not okay with is the, like, just like giving up and just being like, man, we're just going to sit around and just let this thing exist kind of thing. No, we're still, we're, we're still swinging for the fences here. It just turns out that our bats are really small or something and the balls just aren't going as far as we want them to, but we're still swinging. God damn it. You know? And <laughs> yeah. maybe one, maybe one of these days we will hit it out of the park. That would be great. Yep. I think that's where we're all at. Like we're not going to fail <clears throat> and we're not going to, you know, it's like too late for that. We're doing fine, you know? Yeah, but but it doesn't seem particularly likely that CodePen's the next GitHub. As much as I'd like it to be, we just didn't have that. It's just different, you know. Yeah, well, there are not very many GitHubs out there. There's precisely no, there one. isn't. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and products, man, products are hard, and it's one of these things where, like, if it, if you're having fun and you're making some money, like you're you're paying your bills, you're you're supporting your family. Um, I feel like that's a win. And if at some point that changes, like stuff happens and like people start new companies and, you know. It's true. But it's like, how long is that? Because it's different to just like work a little bit than it is to just be like hammered with work. Just, just 
buried by it for 10 years you know like that's a just a different vibe at that point you're like what did i you know like it's it just feels a little different it's not like humdy dum i'll start some different company you're like i am tired (laughs) that was a lot you're like i i swing you know like i could see this happening to businesses like i just i put a lot of my life into this and i thought it was my life's nest egg i thought it was my journey to retirement and it wasn't like that's a different emotional feeling than just like, oh, that didn't work out. Let's try something else now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. There's, there's a lot of emotional strain with starting companies. And I I feel that too. But I, I feel like CodePen is, is a really hard company to start because it's just a big technical challenge that needs multiple people working on it. And, you know, you even needed funding to go faster. And it's not, you're not building like a, a WordPress pop-up plugin here, you know, this is like, it's a pretty big thing and it could go huge because of that, but it's not a, yeah, it's not a side project, right? No, I don't know what, what they make, making WordPress pop-up things, but it's a lot more money than I've ever made. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should uh, go talk to Syed about Optin Monster because... Yeah, he's definitely making more than most of us combined. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I pissed him off the other day because I saw some, like some kind of plug-in counter website, some new WordPress thing that was like, this is like the the leaderboards on a day-to-day basis of what gets downloaded. And that thing was like way number one by like 4X. But it, but it was weird because it was like, then why is like Yoast number three or something like this? Isn't that the biggest plugin? It's got to be, you know? And it just so happens because it was, it's day by day that it just, when you release an update to the plugin, a whole bunch of people download your update and that makes you number one for that day. It doesn't make right. you the number one plugin of all time. It's just, it's just that day was really hot for you because you released an update. Fine, yeah. you know? But then I was like, I didn't even know that was him behind it. Like, I don't know that world as well as I should. And I was just like, oh, my God. It just made me sad that, like, (laughs) I looked at that list and I'm like, oh, my God. The number one plugin by 4X is the thing that puts those obnoxious freaking scroll down the page and a pop-up pops up that asks you for your email. Like, whenever I see one of those, I'm, like, personally offended. (laughs) I'm like, screw you. Screw your stupid website. I want to install nine more ad blockers. This is the worst UX ever. There's no way you're getting my email address. That's just, like, a personal part of me. But I know that the reason they do well is because they work. So the business side of me is like, gosh, I I should learn to be a little bit more obnoxious in this world because apparently that's one of the ways to get rich or whatever. Anyway, I was bitching about it and he, you know, tweeted some stuff back to me that wasn't like, it was just like he was explaining to me that how the download count system works and all that stuff. But I'm sure he wasn't happy that I was crapping on his plugin. (laughs) But to be fair, I kind of am crapping on it. I hate that crap. Yeah. I want it gone. I want it screw. I want it wiped from the internet. And if one person makes less money from it, <laughs> fine. Yeah. yeah. But it's not going to happen because it's successful. It's it works for business. So congratulations. You know, to yeah. me, it's just a step above spam, and I hate it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, I saw that tweet, and I was like, I was nodding my head too, because I mean, I'm say it's my friend. I'm not going to like crap on his product or anything but i mean pop-ups are super annoying and i think we all agree on that but they work to an extent but then at the same time you wonder like what you're collecting emails but what kind of like brand damage is this doing for everyone else who doesn't put in their email which is like 99 percent of people who are visiting your website i don't know i feel like it's one of those things where it's just going to be like yeah these remember when pop-ups like used to work because now like they just don't i don't know 
I don't know. There's there's a lot to dig into there. Like you gotta, you can't. It's like one of those discussions that you can't have without looking at like real data. You know, and they, you know, we don't have it. They do. You know, it's one thing to say they don't work, but I'm sure there's plenty of companies that can can quite demonstrably prove that they do work. Yeah. I don't doubt that they work. I think obnoxious works temporarily in the way. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't. I don't do it personally, but. Little like unobtrusive pop-ups, I feel like are okay, but like the ones where they like shake and like take over your whole screen, yeah, those I'm like ah, just I'm never gonna do those, you know. Even if I'm gonna get more emails, I just don't want to. So I I love hearing about like f- modern front-end stacks, and I know like on Shop Talk Show, you guys talk a lot about like React, and I think you're moving. Is 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 your is your front-end on CSS tricks anything with React, or this is just the code pen i know is is like moving no. to react yeah code pens mostly react at this point and and css tricks is not nothing just just index.php single.php just you know just a ho hum wordpress theme i don't do anything interesting at all there's no dynamic loading or turbo links or anything it's just boring old server-side rendering and you know a couple things that it does have it it has cloudflare turned on with every single bit and bob you can turn on on cloudflare to get super fast caching and you know and it's interesting to watch web browsers optimize for that over time you know like you there's some pre-rendering stuff that's possible and and with really good asset caching and really lightweight pages as you click around and chrome's doing this new interesting thing called paint holding where it's like when you click over from one page to the next it like kind of like if if like the header doesn't move at all it kind of knows that and you don't see any white flash you just it's it's, it almost feels like a single page app as you click around it's interesting to me who's i have done no interesting architectural anything on css tricks to have it feel snappy and click around good now I I'm I'm sitting here on your side. You, you you're interested in this stuff. It looks like you got like a, a WordPress Gatsby thing going on. Beautiful. I love it. It doesn't feel as fast as your site. That's smoking. Like there's still gains to be had beyond just SSR. But it's interesting that like from from a maintenance perspective and long term site running perspective that like if you picked WordPress ten years ago and just didn't crap it up with all kinds of garbage, it's like a pretty nice fast website still today. You know? Yeah. It's, I kind of love that. It's pretty awesome that, I mean, just in these days of where, you know, Gatsby's the one of the new hot things, especially in the WordPress community right now. And I, I noticed actually Saya had just released an article about how he's like, not like he's just on WordPress on like HostGator and how like people shouldn't like be all excited about Gatsby because like he, his site is super fast on like HostGator and stuff, which is cool, but <laughs> I get it. That's exactly what I just said. Like, you can still be on HostGator. That's cool. But it doesn't mean you need to sh- crap on Gatsby, too. It's just as interesting. You know, like, why, why do these have to, things have to be opposed to each other? You yeah, know? no, I just thought it was funny because he was, like, showing his, like, enterprise-level HostGator site that would probably cost someone, not him, like, thousands of dollars a month or at least hundreds or whatever. And then, you know, a lot of Gatsby sites are, like, on free hosting. Yeah. Just blazing fast. And all the serverless stuff and you know i'm just like i'm so excited about this kind of uh this kind of stuff but then 
you know, you look at just uh, just a normal WordPress site. I've, it, it's rad that it's just kind of cooking, and obviously your site has a lot of traffic, and and you're on Flywheel, right? Yeah, just recently on Flywheel. Yeah, there's some of those like little bits that are that are interesting that when you when you measure that that very much are related to the host. You know, like when you're you're looking just web performance, there's some numbers that you just can't fake. You know, like that first document that comes back from the server. You know, like like a slow host is just a slow host. You can't change that number. Although you kind of can if you have, you know, with the, the caching and all that stuff. I mean, it's in, in my case, in mo a lot of our cases, it's just Cloudflare sitting in front of it, you know, that's already got the dang thing cached like crazy. But even without that, you know, my doc, my first document request come, coming back from Flywheel is super fast, you know. So then a lot of that perf work is just front-end developers staying out of the way. Don't load a ton of crap in the head. Like keep those requests down, you know, prefetch things when you can. There's all this, the whole checklist of stuff to not screw up with front end development. 90% of it is front end development choices. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can shift gears for a minute here, you're, you're a dad how, and um, I'm, I'm curious uh, how your work-life balance goes with, with a family. Cause I know with me personally, things changed a lot when I had kids. Um, how, how's that going for you? It's all right. I mean, we're, we're not even two years in, so I feel like the, you know, the early part of it was harder than it is now. It's like a, like a long, slow combination of getting used to it and it getting slightly easier, you know? Yeah. Like I just, just, just last night I had a, like a local meetup planning session thing and I brought her to it, which I never would have done in the past. Like this is kind of like a new thing. And she just kind of ran around the office and threw some crap around or whatever. You know, I, I had to like pay close attention to her, but I, I was able to like communicate and talk in that meeting and it like really wasn't that big of a deal. Like that's life, like miles away different than when you, you know, have a, even one year ago, I could have not done that. You know, it would have been too weird. Yeah. Uh, so things are like getting easier that way. But th then, this, you know, everything is always changing. It's not just like, here's like the one variable is baby and age. Like it's how many babies and what's your partner doing and <laughs> what kind of help do you have? And in our lives, all that stuff is changing all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not just like one, one factor that you're trying to optimize for. It's like every week is something new, <laughs> some new travel thing or whatever. You know, my wife is just starting some, starting a new, a new job. And it's like, well, that's the big thing right now. Like the baby's the easy part. The, <laughs> yeah. the new job is the fun part. Yeah. It seems to change like every, it's like every month. It's like you have, you get something down yeah. and then a routine or a behavior or whatever and you're like okay i kind of okay this is what's happening now and then the next month it's just totally different changes it's like oh uh, yeah it's yeah you know somebody said i think it was cameron mall once said that everybody for for whatever reason the term balance is the one that everybody likes to think about like that's the work-life balance is like solidified itself as a term but it's it's like nobody has balance like that's impossible i mean sure some like super geniuses do or whatever life hackers that have achieved some level of enlightenment which is none of us it's about prioritization on any given month oh things got out of whack our balance is way screwed getting curveballs right and left what happens is you only things are starting to fall apart and then you're like whoa step back what's the most important thing i need to do right now 
are we are is our bills getting paid? No. Well, then I need to find some other way to make some money. One of us needs to make some money right now. That's the most important thing. Or like, or like, if it's nothing, that's like a version of something being on fire. But if nothing's on fire, then you're like, okay, well, now what? You know, like, should we be thinking about how we can spend more time together or what? Or like, are we are we feeling good about like what we're producing and giving back to the world? If not, what adjustments can we make? You know, that's like the the, the chillest it can possibly be is tweaking your life to be slightly better in small ways. But usually it's somewhere in between those two things like we need to do this this week. This is the most important thing. This is the most e- important email I can send. This is the, you know, the biggest important thing for planning for the future that we can do. It's, always, it's just like a level of priority more than balance. Yeah, I hear you. What What are you working on right now that you're excited about? Um, you know, it's been fun at CodePen to have been slowly like moving our stack towards more of a GraphQL and 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 react front end kind of thing and it's been interesting to like have that open up doors for us because we for a while we were like way weighted like a little too heavily on front enders and our idea was that like well we can put more front enders to work because this stack is like responsible for so much like a front ender can get their own data and make their own views and components and deal with their own urls and not like front enders are like like all just front end only shipping entire features on the site, you know, which is kind of great. And that's, that was kind of the plan and it's taken us a while to get there and it's finally starting to feel like it's getting there. It's now like, wow, you know, just today I worked on a little feature that was like kind of complicated. It had to like, (laughs) it had to do with like a new feature notification. So it needs to be backed by data. So it's, it's kind of like going to show you like, Hey, there's this new feature on code pen. Um, you should be aware of it. And it, it's like a new setting that's available, right? And like, I'm going to show like an area on the screen that tells you about this new feature. And I was like, well, why would I just tell you about the feature with a link to go do it? The component that actually controls that feature, which is a little back and forth slider toggle thing, I can just grab that React component and just put it in there. So now I'm like telling you about the new feature, but you could just toggle it right here and then you can be like okay i've seen the feature fine and you can dismiss it and whisk it away but when it does that it needs to like tell a database somewhere hey that user they've seen this notification so they don't need to see it anymore that's like it like asking for data because you don't show this this uh you know this this piece of ui at all if they've already seen it so it needs to ask a database for that information and then once they've whisked it away that needs to tell that database and update the information that data that's very like there's a lot of back-end stuff happening there but i i did it all in like an hour because it's like we have components that are ready for that it's not like i had to write sql queries to update the database we just have little bits and bobs that are ready for that kind of work that are like front-end apis that are ready for it so i was like Nah, this it just felt good to be able to write a feature like that that felt pretty complicated that I probably in the past would have definitely needed some back end assistance on and just write it in an hour. And I'm like, that's pretty good, you know, and and write a test for it and all this stuff. I'm like, I am kind of like a enabling us to be a little 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 more powerful in our roles just through technology. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing React is really good at is just isolated components that can kind of, there's style, you know, everything is just kind of encapsulated there and reusable and movable and things like that. 
it's that's what it's for. It's for like kind of complex stuff in which that that's the goal, you know. But I was thinking is, you know, because I even have a talk I'm doing on this recently called like, oops, we're full stack developers now or some cheeky title like that, where it's like talking about this and how the front end developers I'm finding are much more powerful in what they're able to do and put together. And, and, and by virtue of that, their responsibility have blossomed out and it doesn't mean that you have to know everything in that entire spectrum but if you do you're a lot more powerful and it's just cool that it's like more near your wheelhouse even if you don't specialize in all of it but at the same time at the end of it i was like (laughs) 10 years ago if i needed to build some stuff and i needed to do some things that were outside of my wheelhouse wordpress was always there for me too like wordpress has long been an enabler of being able to build and do things like above and beyond our skill level for a long time. You know, I remember building a a WordPress site a long, long time ago. There was like, oh, it needs to do, you know, it needs to have a planner in it for a, for a show calendar. And then you can click on an individual show and buy a ticket to that show and manage the inventory of the tickets that are available to that show. Can I, co- I don't know if I can code that now. I mean, I, <laughs> I probably can, but like, at the time I definitely couldn't, you know, like that was way above my pay grade, but it does, it didn't need to because WordPress was so powerful and enabling that just by myself, I was able to string all that stuff together to do that. So like, I feel like, yeah, cool. Like it feels different now because like it feels a little bit more mature and I don't know, there's something different about it that I can't quite put my finger on, but I'm powerful now. And I was powerful then too. Yeah. Like I could still get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you you learn about this new technology and you, and then you can you can make like React and like uh, static sites or serverless functions and things like that. But then you look at kind of how hard it is to do just like what WordPress could do like five ten years ago or whatever. And like it's actually really hard to get to that point. But then um, I don't know. Like for me, I'm having I'm just like I I'm kind of I want to kind of move away from that just. I don't know, SQL PHP thing, like expensive host and like this just kind of bloated admin experience. I like just the kind of pared down, you know, interface and then outputting something that's like static and has React in it. But maybe that's just like the developer in me that just wants to be using new technologies and when really like something like WordPress is actually just better and easier for everyone. I don't know. I guess it just goes project by project maybe i understand what you're saying i can see you kind of embracing that embracing that jam stack kind of approach because it just something about it feels so clean you know you're like gosh yeah. there's no there's not like thousands of tiny gears rumbling in here that i t- <laughs> i don't understand it's like there i know all the gears there's a just i have a an understanding of all of it but then it's kind of like but do you you know like if you sprinkle react in there that's a whole lot of gears spinning in there that i guarantee you don't understand you know yeah that's for sure it, it definitely feels like the future of the web like like everything if you, if you could just go jamstack not everything but a lot of things if you could just go on jamstack um i just feel like that is feels like the future to me i don't know is that is that how you see it I don't know that that stuff is, is, is hard to predict. I'm into it just cause I like the, there's just so many little things about Jamstack that I like that are like, that feel healthy and like resilient and, and like a great foundation to build from. And it's like, I think we should, but it's just a part of a larger movement. It's like, 
that Jamstack is so abstract. I mean, it to me, the most important part of Jamstack is just the fact that the files are statically hosted on something like Netlify. Like, that's it, really. The rest of it is like, I don't, I don't care. Like, of course you use JavaScript. Of course you hit some APIs. That's like, that's how websites are built. So like, that's not like a unique part of that stack. The unique part of that stack is the files are statically hosted and CDN backed. And then it's interesting to see companies innovate in the space beyond that. So it's like interesting to see companies like Zeit and they're like, it's so easy. You just throw some functions in a folder and it will serverlessly run them all and Netlify as well. It's like, it's like, it's like, let's start with this foundation of the static hosting and then build this robust feature set around it. So you're starting with this strong base and then, and then make smart decisions around it. So like serverless technology is like a big deal. All these lambdas and Google cloud platform run and all these things that allow you to just write really simple code and just run it somewhere that you don't even care where it's running it, but it's really fast and it's really cheap and you don't have to worry about the security and it scales forever. And all these big things like represent a paradigm shift in hosting that makes things a lot easier too. I don't have to buy a $29.95 host and you know, maintain it and worry about security on it. I just need to run a little script. So I write a little script and I ship it and hit the URL where that code lives and run my software that way. Like that stuff is a big deal. And I, that's part of Jamstack, but like, not really. Like, it's just kind of, it's, it's just related. It's, I don't know. It's hard to describe, I guess. I'm not doing a good job of selling it, but it, it feels right to me. Yeah, no, it's really like, am, jam, saying Jamstack is really ambiguous, but I guess what I'm more excited about is like, static site generators like Gatsby and then using React and and serverless functions mm -hmm. and GraphQL APIs and all that stuff to me is just seems very cutting edge and like, oh man, I just want to do everything I can with that kind of stack, you know? What what do you think people should be paying attention to these days in in the world of selling products or modern web development? Any anything that you think is is interesting that we haven't talked about? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I do think, you know, you mentioned GraphQL as well. It's pretty darn cool. It's kind of empowering. I think it's worth paying attention to, you know, I feel like I've sold a couple people on it even without being like an expert at all. Like I didn't set up our GraphQL at CodePen. Somebody else did, you know, like the, the, there's, there's a lot to know about it. And I think I mostly think about like, what does it feel like to work with on a pretty high level and see people work with and see what it enables in people. So like not exactly a super expert over here, but I've seen it be nothing but successful for the people that have, have started leveraging it, you know, and to see like the rise of Gatsby and to see them kind of triple down on that concept of it and how it can connect APIs together is such a big deal. And the fact that it's not only querying for data, but it kind of puts the responsibility of mutating and sending back change data on a front end developer is like a super big deal to me. And then it's like, wow, the, okay, you, you can kind of do it all now front end developer. That's a big deal. Well, that seems big. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited about the future of GraphQL and seeing you know, APIs like the WP GraphQL and, you know, working with it in Gatsby and everything. It's a Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to see that go core? Yeah. <laughs> the REST API is still not even completed in core. So that whole thing is just kind of funny. 
because it's like, well, we should have just done GraphQL instead of the REST API, but now I think it's just entrenched because like WordPress.com and Automatic have fully embraced it in their like Calypso and I don't know, it's going to be a long time before GraphQL is like mm -hmm. the thing, but you can always just use it as a plugin in your own projects. No, you can, but the, you know, what's, it is funny to see, like I, I had a, uh, a WordPress site break the other day because I had installed without just really realizing it. I was like, what is wrong here? There was a, the, uh, like the first generation rest API plugin was installed. So like, you know, now on a default WordPress site, all of your routes to all your rest API stuff have like a two in them, like W two or V two or something in them. Yeah. They're used cause that's because there was a V one at one point and it, just by virtue of having it installed and then getting upgraded to a Gatsby or a Gutenberg uh, version of WordPress, it just broke Gutenberg. And it, it broke Gutenberg because Gutenberg uses the REST API to like talk back to the site. So I was like, wow, that's fascinating. That, so it's like, it's not just this thing that is designed for third parties to use. It's very like dog fooded by wordpress itself which makes it a very big deal and it's not going away because of that for sure but it's important to know that like it it wouldn't have to go away for graphql to be a thing too in fact rest apis rarely do just because of graphql like graphql almost always sits on top of some other api that already existed so th that's what would be interesting to see if like if this thing is a big deal and has massive legs like it moving to core or having some more like support from the actual project of wordpress is fine. It's just an additional, it's an additional layer. I mean, I, I get that it's a whole bunch of like extra technical complexity probably, and who knows if they want to take on that technical debt. But my suspicion is at some point they're going to be like, yeah, we should have done that. And if, if that's like the trajectory of this stuff, like maybe that sometime should be like now. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can have both side by side and maybe different people working on GraphQL, like I know Jason Ball is full-time at Gatsby on WP GraphQL which is pretty cool. I'm sure if they were like, let's merge this into core and I'm sure Jason would still just like do it full time. But then of course there's like, who's going to maintain it like five years from now and things like that. <clears throat> cool. Well, Chris, Hey, thanks so much for being here. Where can people find you? Uh, use, I use my name. So it's Chris Coyer, which is C O Y I E R. And that's me on like all the, any social platform i just try to get my name and in fact dot net of that is my is my personal website which i use kind of like a a portal to all the stuff that i do you know i'm a believer in the personal website still so if you have just want to see a smattering of what i do chrisclair.net is the place to see it sweet well thanks so much chris yeah cheers thanks for having me